1: Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hi, Aaron. Hello, listeners. Uh, Been working from home, kind of. Just pain. You know, everything's a step more complicated than it has to be. So I got no banter, nothing, nothing light and fluffy up top from me.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for that. Also joined by Mike Spears.
0: What's up, Mike? Hey y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm kind of uh, with as much as the world is at right now, I'm kind of thriving in these situations. I mean, I've fully now have grown the, uh, the full beard or as much as my shitty face can grow at this point in time because I don't have any meetings or anything like that. So, I mean, I'm sticking I'm sticking with it. I wash my hands. I don't touch my face as I have my finger on my chin right now, so I'm going to stop doing that. But I'm doing all right. How are you, AB? It is
1: beautiful outside today, and it's really improved my mood. Took the dogs on a long walk. Uh, but I'm working on a brief in a case that's about infectious disease, so I really cannot get away from infectious disease. And that's been kind of brutal. And I like my brain keeps going back and forth between either there's no way the court is going to uh, help me out in this case, because all they're going to be able to think about is coronavirus or they will be so consumed by coronavirus that they think I have to win. So it's just it's hard for me to uh, to balance that out.
0: You know, I've been watching a lot of Better Call Saul lately. And I'm wondering like how you could pretty much like Jimmy McGill this into your benefit. I mean, that's solely my concern at this time is how you could benefit off this in your court case. So I, yeah. think, I, I, I think you should make us think about how there's not proper sanitary patterns and you're going to go there. Just pray on it.
1: Yeah. Going to try my best with that. Haven't decided if I'm going to mention coronavirus in the brief. Uh, time will tell. Probably will. I'm a very extra lawyer.
0: Are they actually like still running the courts up in Kentucky? Because in South Carolina, it's like this weird situation. That it's county by county, and each county is making a decision about, hey, our prisons are way too overfilled. We have to release people because this is not proper and it's inhumane. So I didn't know if Kentucky has a similar situation. Because I know that y'all were out ahead of us in a lot of different ways about the uh, virus.
1: Well, the Supreme Court closed pretty much all the courts. No no hearings are happening. I had a trial canceled. But as far as like letting people out, they've been... Way less excited about letting people out of jail and prison. So, but I have heard that maybe some jails have been turning away new arrests. So, you know, that's that's positive. But uh, definitely, incarcerated folks and pretrial detainees are are not getting the uh, the brunt of the good vibes coming from people wanting to help out with coronavirus. Okay, everything AEW. That's our Twitter account. Check it out. We keep you up to date on the most recent. News related to A.W. and whatever other silly stuff we think is funny and decide to retweet. And uh, sometimes we do takes during the show. You can also find me. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Give us a rating and review if you're using the Apple podcast app. And make sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash everything elite. We'll talk more about that later. Here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Elite. Or delete, and we've got some bumper, well, I was going to say music, but not really bumper music. We've got a little intro
0: now. Hey, if if when, if when they're going to crib on our established trademarks, I'm going to make sure that I take stuff from their thing. Because it's fair use, and they're cribbing on our pre-established uh, uh, trademark. Is that proper lawyering that I did right there, or am no, I thought? I
2: did, uh, did not proactively register that as a trademark.
0: We'll piss, but yeah, no, we, we, you all see, you'll see. I don't really even
1: know the difference between like trademarks and copyrights, so I really don't have any clue.
2: Trademark you have to like actively go and register with the office as a that you're going to be using it in the course of commerce, whereas copyright is sort of just to protect you know original creators. So there is a office for registering copyrights, but theoretically you you know in the legal fiction is that you gain the copyright when you create something.
0: So, we've had this now for weeks. So, we have pretty much, we get proven in the court of law. Great. Come on, TK, pay me some money.
2: Well, yeah. So, we do the evidentiary, you know, requirement would be fine because we do obviously have far too many weeks of us doing a leader to lead on this show.
1: That's right. So, we definitely have copyrighted it. Maybe who really knows? Nate, maybe, maybe, but okay. Right.
2: I'm pretty sure if it's not right now, it was right at one time.
1: Okay, so well I guess the next question is should we send a cease or desist cease and desist to all elite wrestling LLC?
2: No, because they haven't really infringed upon it. They just had two people saying the words to each other in in the course of a normal conversation. I think a very extremely normal conversation.
1: This is a real trademark problem, isn't it? We we should have trademarked the phrase elite or delete.
2: Well, even then, uh, I think they could probably make a pretty strong argument that our elite or delete is derivative of their elite trademarks, right? And then it's really just the combination. And I would imagine that Matt Hardy has delete stuff trademarked. So it's really a derivative of the two of them. So it'd be tough.
1: Okay. Well, we won't lawyer up at this time. We'll make no promises about the future. So we're going to have that when we get to that part of the show. We'll run down Dynamite. We'll talk about ratings. Frankly, there's not a lot of other news going on in the in the Everything Elite extended universe. We're kind of in a you know, weird world going on here. So here's what I thought we would start with. We talked, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked a lot last week about whether these shows should happen, et cetera. We're not going to talk about that. This week, we've made our points clear on that. And I don't think anything about that has changed. But we did have a chance to talk about what the production looked like for this uh, empty arena show. And now we're seeing lots of these types of shows around the world. So my question is where I want to start. What did you think about the production and just about the show generally from the aspect of their second week of doing this with no fans?
2: Well, it was obviously uh, a step down from last week, I think, in the production department. And understandably so, because it seems like they had pretty much a skeleton crew out here. Uh, you know, they made the smart decision of not having the older talent members and and staff members make the trip this time. So, you know, can't judge them too harshly on the production being a little more stilted, uh, because they were, you know, trying to be a little bit smarter, I think, about you know, the distancing. Um, I thought, you know, there's it, it lost a lot by not having the wrestlers at ringside, I thought, but. I thought Cody was pretty good on commentary and the combination of him and Tony, it just kind of gave it more of like a, you know, uh uh friendly, I don't want to say family, but like a, you know, it's it's saying more of like a group effort than like a, you know, uh some untouchable production by some television monolith out there. It's like, hey, everybody's just pitching in, everybody's doing whatever job they might be suited to. Same thing with Brandy doing the ring announcing again. It's like, hey, we don't have a ring announcer. Brandy's done it. She's going to do it this week. So it kind of, you know, you get a little, um, you kind of root for it in that way that you're like, hey, everybody's just trying to do the best they can under these circumstances.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that last week was a better conceived idea of how do you do this given the circumstances, but obviously circumstances have changed and they've aired on the, they've aired towards caution, which. We've talked about that last week, but considering what all they did, you could tell, and especially someone like me who I really restrained myself from like tweeting this out nonstop, but you could tell that they had a even a skeleton production crew because there was no pyro with the exception of the final segment. There, the cameras they looked like they just had three floor cams and then a hard camera. So, I mean, they kept like this, uh, everything was very scaled back, but at the same time, I mean. With the, what they have to do, and like airing a I thing. I know that uh Shug D has talked about like what the experience was last week, so we do have an idea of what safety precautions they were doing. Like, it makes sense that basically these were all people who were in conceivable driving distance from uh, their house in Jacksonville. I mean, I think that's pretty fair to say, considering that knowing that like Excalibur lives in the west coast, he did not fly, uh, Taz lives in New York, he did not fly, I think most of the people who are in the, the Northeast, with the exception of Brody Lee, who might live in Florida, given where he worked for the last decade, it made sense how things were here. It it, it was definitely felt more skilled back. And I did really like the, uh, the commentary team of Cody and uh, Tony Schifoni I feel like the two of them, like you could tell like they're familiar. I mean, Tony Schifoni's practically known him his whole entire life. So it did have that like family kind of like family friend vibe with it. That I thought that was pretty good, but you know, given the circumstances, like I've seen shows that I think have nailed it more so, but also those are in places that now are having it a more enhanced tested outbreak right now. So who knows if that was the right idea here. This made sense. And I, I think that like you have to kind of judge this on a curve.
1: I don't think there's any question this show, not just production wise, but generally was worse than the show from last week. But I'm I'm pretty much willing to give them a one week pass on the basis that the reason this show wasn't as good was there wasn't a, there wasn't really a plan in place. There wasn't really a narrative that that drove this episode. It was all kind of, it was like a uh, new year's dash type thing where literally at the top of the show, they read down the card and it was like, okay, well here's just who we have and they're going to have matches with each other and, and let's see what happens. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for one week next week. They have to be developing more of a narrative and more of a plan. I get why they canceled Blood and Guts. I appreciate that. They want to do that in front of a crowd. I don't get why they didn't start the show by explaining that and telling people why they weren't getting the matches that they said you were getting on the next Dynamite. So I think they should have done that. But they have to have a plan, a consistent narrative pushing forward that helps to frame these shows. And we didn't have that at all on this episode. Uh, quickly, because you mentioned this, Mike, I wanted to talk about what um, Indy wrestler Shugdi who was on AW Dark last week, said. He said they had a doctor on site and had tests done to make sure you were good to go and weren't carrying a fever. And then he explained some of the ways they were doing distancing, uh, making sure everything at like catering was bagged up so you could take it individually. And they had uh, disinfectant and wipes available in the locker room. So, You know, we made our thoughts clear last week, but at least it sounds like if they're doing what they're doing, they are taking some precautions that are positive.
0: Yeah, I mean, given what we know and, and given how we have an understanding of this virus, I. They have to have these shows, it seems like so they're trying to be as careful about it as possible, especially in an environment where basically everywhere else except for. WWE, uh, AEW, and a couple other places aren't running at all. So, I mean, like they have to. The, we talked about like why they have to last week, but it does seem like that That that's all pretty smart. Like the one, th- the only thing I can think they could really do that might be a little bit ridiculous, but you could do this during like promotion, doing like VOs and long commercial breaks so that don't have matches is change the mats out. I mean, I know they have multiple canvases. I've been at shows where they change the canvas three times. Like that's probably. The only other like big step other than like human nature, people are going to like try not to touch their face and it's a very hard thing not to do. And then like there, there are some things that obviously like are tough to do, but it does seem like they're taking the precautions. Like if this is happening, they it seems like this is pretty smart.
1: All right. No hangman meter this week. He did not appear on the show. And Nate informs us that on BTE, he just didn't really do anything either way that we could uh, make a judgment on. So we move on from the Hangman meter, but hopefully it'll be back next week. It remains a three. Still at a three, baby. And now it's time. Delete!
0: Elite! Delete! Delete. Elite! Delete! Elite! 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 Delete, elite, elite! Stop! 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 Delete! Stop. Delete! Stop.
1: Delete. 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 Stop. Delete. Delete. Stop. And this is Elite or Delete! Nate! Start us off with your elite pick of the week.
2: My Elite pick. I suppose is Kenny Omega versus Sammy Guevara match. Um, It was the meatiest thing on the show. You know, it was in in these circumstances where they weren't looking to advance a bunch of storylines. They didn't have a full roster or even a full crew. They were, you know, again, adapting to the circumstances as they were. They basically just said, hey, let's just get two guys to go out there and have a good wrestling match. And that's what they did. It was, you know, a little bit long. You could argue that Kenny should be putting away Sammy Guevara quicker than this. But, you know, when you look at it as, oh, it's a world title match, you know, they put over multiple times that Kenny has a broken hand. So Sammy's got a little bit of an advantage if you take that into account. Um, but, you know, that was probably the highlight of the show. I, I have considerably more things that were on my candidates list for for deletes this week.
0: Yeah, I, I think that running with the uh, AAA mega championship is a smart idea because you can just plug this thing in and it provides a little bit of gravitas I also know how. AB said like they need to have like some stakes or something that they're building towards in this weird like the, this wacky season. So this added it to it. The match did not ring as high for me as it did for you, but I think that's also the fact of the circumstances of the match versus the actual match itself. So I thought it was a good idea. I think that you have this guy who has this title belt there, you might as well run with it. You know, I mean, they, they've been smart about when they've used this belt, they've done it with people who have been in AAA and have had long since in AAA before. So if you want to have like Kenny versus Phoenix, like have a rematch for that title on, on a Dynamite one night, because it seems like they don't want to do tag matches right now. You might, I think that's a good idea. It provides a little bit of something that people can sink their teeth into.
1: Yeah, it was it was fine for me as a match. I I hear what you're saying, Nate, and definitely under the circumstance, I thought they did about the best match they could do between the two of them. I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure this should have been like a three-segment match <laughs> or whatever, but there were interesting little uh, plot points to it as far as uh, the back work, and then you see Sammy out on, on the outside doing things. They had the interplay with Brandy, which which worked, and the very funny Fight TV exclusive that that Nate tweeted about uh, between uh, Brandy and Sammy and, and Cody's comments on that. But yeah, wasn't my favorite thing in the world, but just a tough, tough situation. So it definitely, like the first hour of the show, I thought was really bad. I was really concerned about the show. The second half of the show until the final segment, which I'm confident we'll talk about at some point, I thought it really picked up. And so this match was definitely part of improving up on the first part of the show
0: Mike, what's your elite pick? So we're gonna talk about the final uh, section that uh, the final segment now but only one aspect of it and what I want to focus on is the portrayal of Chris Jericho in this segment and his realization of his next evolution is basically being a character out of a Danny McBride Joni Hill TV show and I had someone I've forgot who was the person who tweeted that at us asking like what is my rationale about this? And Chris Jericho has been able to play, like, the, his, his heel instincts now that he's lost the title. He's been becoming more of a Fostaff kind of character. Oh, it was at Green Couch 5 asked me about if Jericho would play a dumb or the everyman to everything Matt is doing. It really doesn't have anything to do with Matt Hardy at all. It is the con- idea of this guy had probably the two most entertaining minutes of the night of him cutting a promo on Vanguard 1 and him just getting flustered with, the, with this and saying something that you could really see as lines of dialogues out of like the righteous gemstones or vice principles. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was my favorite thing of the night. And when we start talking about why this segment was really, really bad, I do have my way of how I would fix this segment, but I thought Chris Jericho at this point in the segment was excellent. And it was my favorite thing of the night.
2: We just want to do the whole segment now and talk about the final segment here. Should we do that? It was pretty bad. Chris Jericho was good. I will certainly he made the most out of what really could have been like a catastrophically bad segment. Like this guy going out there, empty arena, totally darkened. Uh, he cuts a promo on a drone and has a dialogue going back and forth with him. Then he has a guy who does a weird voice teleport into the ring and then, uh, you know, has an argument with him that (laughs) proceeds to take up the entire main event segment. Jericho you know salvaged it from being like absolutely cringeworthy but you know it was on that precipice like
0: oh absolutely like this segment could have been worse than the uh, dark the dark order ending segment very easily
2: yeah that's what I would analogize it to like I'm I I am fine with the delete gimmick in general and really you know fundamentally enjoy a, a lot of aspects of it and um Think Matt Hardy's pretty fun in his own right, I guess, but it's just you got to keep this stuff away from the main event. I think it's just too fucking goofy. Um, you know, you've got your your super top star Chris Jericho in there. Last program of the night, they're in the big. It's it's now the story of this big cage match that you've been building to for however many weeks. Like, just and now it's like a, you have a magic teleporting magician. Know, it's just it's too goofy. Put that's like a, you know, do that in hour one. That's fine. Do the Dark Order stuff in hour one. That's fine. It's an undercard thing. It's not that serious. You know, you put your, you put your Taguchi matches in hour one and you put your Okada matches at the end of hour three, right? Just like that should be the same ethos here. Put your magical teleporting magicians in hour one and, you know, keep your top stars, your Cody's and your Jericho's and your Moxley's and your Omega's um, and your Hangman's. They should be at the end of the show, and they shouldn't have people teleporting at them.
1: It's felt about as long as an Okada match. I'll tell you that. Oh, good maybe, one. Thought Nate would have a rejoinder there. Uh, I mean, I don't want to repeat. Unfortunately, I was hoping Nate would come on and defend this segment so that we could obviously fight about
2: not paying attention on the Twitter. You must
0: be. apparently, I'm the person who liked the segment the most, and I still gave it with like heavy caveats that I liked one part of it, and then as soon as we had stupid camera tricks like that, completely like lost the conceit of it i mean especially in this promotion okay anyway sorry it
2: is is hard to like the drone stuff like verging on good the rest of it pretty bad so i understand it's a very hard line to find if you're the people putting this on your show but yeah go on Aaron. honestly i think the teleporting stuff was the best part oh fuck off it was
1: garbage it was absolute trash no how does
2: that that make sense
1: because it's like funny dumb It's just like, okay, this is pretty stupid, but it's kind of funny. You're in this empty arena. He's like jumping around. That's kind of goofy. I can enjoy that. But once Matt Hardy starts talking, it's just terrible. It's like I was willing to go along with this. Last week, I was like, okay, this is kind of the dumb stuff about wrestling that's fun. The teleporting, I'm like, okay, this is the kind of dumb stuff that's fun. And the second he starts talking, I'm like, I'm fucking out of this. This sucks. And the reason I disagree about Jericho is this is like one segment that would have been better in WWE because they would have made them figure out everything they were going to say before they got in a ring together. This felt terribly like two guys that got, got together for five minutes before the show and were like, all right, I'm going to kind of do this. You'll kind of do this and we'll see what happens. And it was just disjointed. It was hard to follow. Uh, I really, there were times I had no clue what like the story they were trying to get across was, especially Hardy. He's going off about God knows what. So I just didn't think Jericho grounded it enough to to drive the story.
0: You, you see, I think Jericho handled it. Like, I do think you, you're right about like, like oh, we're going to go do this. You'll cut a promo on Vanguard run. Then we have this camera trick that we've done before that we have in the can. And then we'll go do this. I, I think Jericho basically just going like you are an insane person being the one sane but dumb person it it's engaging with this literally crazy person was actually really kind of amusing. It's just the Matt Hardy shtick, as Nate said, not a main event act.
2: No, but it's, it's fine. as like a, you know, you throw it in the main event. He's the fifth guy on a team, you know, that's fine. But his wacky accent is not enough to carry a main event segment.
1: No, I agree with that, but I don't think you can bring in Matt Hardy and on day one, not have him in the main event. I think he's too important. Uh, He's a draw. I think he has to go in the main event. You can cycle him down, but to pretend that he's like a mid-card guy from day one, I think is shooting yourself in the foot.
2: Yeah, but so that's fine. I don't necessarily agree, but you had Kenny Omega defending a major promotions world title in like a 20 plus minute match like so you can have a talk segment before that without you know minimizing Matt Hardy. You can do we have a world title match, that's gonna be the main event. That makes sense on a wrestling show. And then you just have like the big talk segment right before that. And you know, you're not minimizing Matt Hardy by doing that, I don't think. I what? they they so they had that teleportation effect in the can. They have really good pre-tapes in this company. We see them all the time. Darby does them constantly. We just saw one with Lance Archer. Um, if they were gonna do this big wacky segment. And the broken Matt Hardy character is a character that got over on wacky pre-tapes in the first place. Why didn't they just pre-tape this? And then you wouldn't have that sort of feeling where both guys are, you know, trying to come up with what to say next. Like you pre-tape it, maybe some stuff doesn't work. You cut it out. You add some flair to it. You add some, you know, some of that broken universe personality to the production of it. And it just comes off a lot better, I think. And then again, then you can put it before the world title match and it's fine.
1: I do want to say I've always thought this Mad Hardy persona stinks. I've never thought it was good. I don't under, I don't get unless Tony Khan's thinking about maybe we'll get some more viewers, maybe I'll sell some T-shirts. I don't have any clue why you would want to bring this into this company. It doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. And the question that I have, and since we're here, we might as well just dig into all this. They run the little the little uh, package before the show starts, like the TNT package, and it shows. Brody Lee, Matt Hardy, Chris Jericho. That's it. Which are going to be three of the big acts on the show. No doubt about it. But is there a concern that we're diving into? You ha- you have two options. When you are a company that is competing in any way with WWE, you have two options. You are WCW, where you take on some of their stars, but use them in, in interesting ways. And you have TNA, where you take on some of their stars and let them Run roughshod, doing the dumbest shit they can possibly think of. So, are you at risk of becoming the the TNA here by only highlighting those WWE acts and using, well, actually all of them on this show in kind of shitty ways?
0: I mean, I think that that's a fair assessment to be saying in a normal world. But Chris Jericho lives in Tampa. Brody Lee, I believe, still lives in Orlando. I don't think he moved back to upstate New York and the remainder of like the bucks i don't think the bucks were in jacksonville uh cody uh Kenny, to my knowledge now lives in the south has a place in the southeast and then the other stuff that they really fo- following up on lucha brothers obviously it's going to be hard to get them out there for this uh best friends live in the northeast so like when you so like when you ask this question about this which is a legitimate question like i'm not completely trying to negate it by saying Covid nineteen, give him hall pass. It's just when when everything was like set up like this, I feel like those were the three big threads there. And if this was something that was happening in a normal world, then I think there's like a, a change there. So maybe I am saying Covid nineteen hall hall pass, but it is something that will be interesting to track, especially if we get to some sort of normalcy.
2: All right, I'm gonna do, do my delete now. Hold on, I haven't done my elite pick yet. Oh, oh I thought yeah. we were doing deletes.
1: Well,
2: if, okay.
0: I know, but we,
2: I, haven't, I haven't. I haven't done my elite was, yet. was Mike's in, was Mike's
0: elite or delete? Oh, mine was elite because I Mike's loved Chris elite. Jericho. Oh, in I'm this.
2: sorry, I, I deleted your elite kind of.
0: Oh, oh no, <laughs> I I mean like we were going to talk, we were going to tackle this one way or another. Yeah. So I'm totally okay with that, but still, hey, Jody Hill and Dane McBride, go look at Chris Jericho for Righteous Gemstones. I think that that could be a really inspired casting.
1: I don't. I don't disagree with that. All right, my elite pick, this will be a quick one because it was maybe the one thing I liked from the show. And that was the Nick Jackson medical update graphic. Amazing. So you have over here on the left side, medical update on Nick Jackson in big letters. And then on the right side, what they've created is at the bottom, you see Nick with blood streaming out of his mouth and you see the the bay door on his face. And then it kind of fades into, up at the top, Nick being carried out on a stretcher. And it is just too fucking funny. I just love it. Whoever created this is a genius.
0: Yeah, I think the whole entire segment with that was funny. But yeah, the, the Photoshop was a great job there. Like, whoever's doing the Photoshop right now, you're doing an all right job with that.
2: I did. I put Cody over earlier, but he also kept undermining a bunch of their things. Like, he was doing a lot of, you know... You know, uh, 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 blending the for blurring the fourth wall or whatever, but he was like, "Oh, Nick's fine." It's like, "Well, dude, this is the fucking segment that we're doing." He just he did the same thing in the Kenny match where Kenny's thing is that he had a broken hand, and Cody's like, "I'm pretty sure it's all healed." It's like, "What the fuck, dude?"
1: Yeah, like, I wasn't dude,
2: watch the product.
1: I wasn't quite as enamored of Cody on on commentary as everyone else. I think seems he's to just like,
2: his personality to me is just like he's fundamentally likable. In his, you know, in his way, but yeah, you know, I, I can't uh, sign off on everything he said. All I, right, can I delete? I, I'm ready to yes, delete.
1: I just want to say quickly that yes, he is fundamentally likable, but he also has this like innate desire to be liked. So that I think when he tosses out the little insider terms and the way he says it, and I don't want to be a whining baby face here, I think he's like explicitly trying to get over with a certain segment Mm, of fans when he does that feels
2: that that feels genuine to me that that doesn't feel like he's putting that on
1: Eh, it doesn't to me i don't know all right all
2: right deleting jake the snake roberts from this promotion he's not good nothing he says makes any sense he's his promo last week didn't make sense everybody was super high on his debut promo it actually wasn't good and this third promo here again at least they shot it presented it kind of interestingly but Don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I don't understand the basis for this feud. There's, you know, no Lance Archer here whatsoever. So it's all about Jake the Snake. And I don't know, just this whole, like, we already had the Brandy and Sammy thing on this show. And then he's out here and he's talking, comparing Brandy to Monica Lewinsky. And it's like, not the best, again, presentation of women in this company. You're taking the literal... Uh, you know, uh, uh, executive brand manager or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, she's whatever. She's the she's the wife of the baby face, but she's just a Monica Lewinsky character. You know, she had her storyline taken away from her basically because it wasn't working. Had zero women segments on this show. You usually get one at best. Um, you know, so women not presented super well. Don't need Jake the Snake Roberts out there just doing these fucking hack analogies from 20 years ago. And the problems don't make sense. So, you know, I know he's uh got like a magnetic energy, but I think he's just bad.
0: It's something where I always have subtitles on because I'm that person. And my subtitle, because he was very hard to understand to begin with. And then the subtitles, you were just seeing like Cleopatra, Cassandra, Monica. And you're just like, what are you even doing here, man? Like, I know i mean i'm glad that you're doing great here and the image of you and uh with you and lance archer as like high high plains desert drifters is kind of funny and amuses me but that that promo was not it and it was something that does make you kind of reassess everything he said so far and it's just been a lot about calling cody julius caesar like and once to killing him like julius caesar like the Ides of M- March are past man. You gotta pick on a new topic. Like stay topical, stay within the moment. But yeah, no, I'm I, with do, you on I this. mean, I
2: appreciate, you know, if if he's gonna do a, a Caesar and Cleopatra thing, like I appreciate that there's some consistency in this theme he's trying to establish. Um but you know, the Ides of March didn't pay off, so that didn't deliver. And then yeah, just hacky to do this fucking, oh well, your wife shit. Like, I'm over it.
1: I think I was on record as saying the first one was very good. I stand by that, but it did have like too many ideas in it. And so I kind of, I assumed that that would be, you know, narrowed and focused as we continued with this story and it's going the complete opposite way. And it's like, dude, this is a pre-tape, do a second take, cut some shit out, do something. But they, they didn't do, I mean, Jake did a bad job and editing. They didn't do him any favors on this. So yeah, I agree. It was very bad.
2: That reminds me of those video packages they were doing before the pay-per-views where they have the big booming announcer voice doing all these, you know, grand statements about competition and blah, blah, blah. It's like, just need an editor on those because they are brutal, overwritten, and don't actually mean anything when you get down to actually parsing the words. Pretty much the same with Jake the Snake Roberts here. He's, you know, got a unique energy. He's saying some interesting phrases, I guess. But when you look at the content of what he's saying, there's nothing there whatsoever.
1: Anyway. Yeah. I mean, the the story was basically, I'm sick of you whining, so I'm going to bring in this guy and he's going to beat your ass. That was basically the first promo. And we've gone so far afield from that. It's like, yeah, where are we going? I don't know. I hope. That, and that's the problem is that now it's hurt Lance Archer. I've, it's like I'm less excited about seeing Lance Archer than I was. When we first found out he was coming in, hopefully will yeah, get. That. Back I mean, when you, we, you know,
2: he, when he gets in the ring and does some cool shit and kills a guy, like I think he'll be fine. But the you know this, whatever this epic story that Jake's going for is not connecting.
0: Yeah. Okay. So my my delete. I guess I'll go now. Uh, the Cody and Jimmy Havoc match stunk. Like you let off the show with this match that was Jimmy Havoc and AEW. Something that I just find overly amusing and not the kind of person you want to like have like this, like we talked about this on light AB, like they really should have started with like Brody Lee or Chris Jericho, something hot off the top. And then you had like this match that was just like a lot of just like shoving hands. And then there was a really good moment where Cody tried to do an air Kaleone, which he kind of, which is the running up the uh, ramp and then trying to run top over the jump over the top or and either hit like a clothesline or a, some sort of plancha and he completely kind of stumbled into it and I thought that was really charming. But yeah, I, I wait well, you're talking about like the first uh, hour of the show it did not start well with this.
1: And and can we stop doing mouth based offense? It just like has to end for yeah. now. No, no
2: uh, mouth joined the call.
1: <laughs> I mean he's right. I mean he stuck he his is. hand in his he mouth. Right. He uh then Cody uh, kissed his fucking wife after Jimmy having hand in his mouth.
0: <laughs> and then he, like, then he shake Tony's hand right afterwards. Like, like the- unless
1: they're doing, like, straight up fetish shit on live TV, then I'll give Cody and Brady a pass if this, is like, <laughs> if this is their thing. But otherwise, fucking gross. Quit it. You know you all have
0: wipes and like hand sanitizer. We should be like seeing like after the match doing that. Like think about how like would put people at ease a little bit if like they showed like them like washing their hands, like had like a PSA for it, or like had like a thing of like Clorox wipes there that like they were like what like cleaning up with. Yeah.
2: You know, we're in strange times when this week Vince Russo was right and last week Ryan Satin was right.
0: You yep. hate it strange, when the worst people things. you hate it when the worst people have a good point. It's very bad.
2: I guess
1: I'm going to delete something, but we basically talked about all the awful stuff on this show. I'll just a quick one that I have is Nate. I'm piggybacking off of something you've said on this show before, which is that they sometimes blur the lines of, of who's in charge and who the bookers are and who the elite are and what they mean in the, in the realm of the company. And they did that here with Cody saying, well, Archer can just debut next week. Then that's fine. He can debut as if he's the decision maker, which of course he is, but That's not mentioned on television. And then in the last segment, we got Jericho saying, which it was a funny line, but him saying, well, I knew you were going to be here because we booked this last week. And it's like, okay, that's really not cute to me. It's just kind of like, that's just goofy. I just don't have time for it, really.
2: Too cute by half.
1: Yes. Agreed. Okay, that's Elite or Delete, a trademark of everything Elite LLC. And now we move on to the ratings. So, AW did not, in total viewers at least, capitalize on, you know, there not being any other live television going on. I guess the news is live television, but you know what yeah. I mean? They didn't really capitalize on that in, in the way uh, that they might have hoped. They're down from 932,000 to 819,000, 23rd in the demo at a point three four, but they were at a 0.35 in the demo last week, so they're basically getting the same percentage of viewers, uh, it's just that fewer people were watching television, uh, presumably. Or as I was, I guess somebody was saying today, there Nielsen considers acceptable like a 10%
0: margin of error. Yeah, well, like they do. I think it was uh, Matt. That's Fra- insane. Yeah, it was Matt, <laughs> Matt Francis who does like the Archiving Matt series. VOW was talking about it. And they do have like a really wild uh, per- percentage, like margin of errors. And then they come down like this. But it's also different between like, Whenever we talk about ratings, we're talking about the Fast Nationals, which are the overnight things. And then what they'll do is they'll compare this, usually far down the road, to people who actually keep the Nielsen book, the diary. But the big thing to me, I think, about this was they're still more the number two non-news show on cable. And if you look at how the viewership patterns were from like week to week, especially when you compare it to NXT, does kind of see that maybe NXT going back to some sort of more wrestling-heavy thing their fans came back because the demo didn't fall so much. The biggest drop in AEW's demos was in the uh, people over 50. So I feel like that it's kind of hard to make any conclusions really in this day and age based on week to week stuff. But I feel like that that is an interesting theory that I like to throw out there. But yeah, it's, I mean, it is what it is.
1: that makes sense. But it does seem to me that people aren't just jumping over to try this out because there's no other live sporting type television on. I don't think that's happening. And Matt Hardy, his presence here didn't just bump yeah, a big can number. You,
2: can you imagine if an NBA fan was like, all right, Marv Albert keeps talking about this AEW thing. I'm going to check this out since it's the only <laughs> new sports content on TV tonight. And he gets fucking teleporting Matt Hardy. That's true.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I will say though, in like the theater of the absurd and not actual physical activities, technically uh, the NASCAR eSport outdrew WWE WrestleMania thing on ESPN. So maybe we are entering an era where we might need to get some AEW sport running. Maybe that's the new draw.
1: Once they get a video game, they can play it on television. It'll be good. Um, I guess the good news is not cratering, even though they're running shows in empty arenas and people have a lot of other things to worry about. People are still coming to watch this show. They are maintaining their base of audience so that's a positive thing i think if they can do that throughout this which is yet to be seen okay here's the show let's run down what happened on dynamite this week although we've talked about a lot of it already it opened with tony Schiavone, cody and kenny on commentary they ran down the card and then we got cody defeating jimmy havoc with two crossroads is there anything else left to to say about this not very good match
0: Jimmy Havoc needing two crossroads or doing two of them does seem like that's giving Jimmy Havoc too much too much credit for someone who looks like that they told him to put on a pleather tank top.
2: I was. I spent most of this match trying to figure out what his little tank top was made out of.
0: It, it's like some weird like Rubberized shirt What's kind a, of thing. Like lycra,
2: is it a lycra? lycra?
0: Lycra, like rubberized thing. Because he did not start. He only started wearing this on dark episodes of Dark. Because he did for like the first few times, like wear Russell had a tank top on. So like they did. They, they it does seem like this said Jim may have needs, to put a shirt on, which I think is.
2: I, I was
1: fascinated by the tank top. Then we got the Jake Roberts pre tape. I think I said Jake Roberts, which honestly is true. It was pretty janky, Jake Roberts. He says, Lance Archer is chomping at the bit to get into the ring with anyone from AEW. Then he has this bit about how AEW started this company. They never called Jake the greatest wrestling mind ever, as he has uh, bestowed upon himself. He says, and you never called Lance Archer. Maybe it's because you were afraid of him. So bring whoever you want, but give us a match with you. And meaning, apparently, Cody. So when we circle back to Cody on commentary, he's not happy about Jake's interview. He says he saw Lance Archer in Japan. Uh, But he has no body of work here. I presume he means in AEW. So so he's got to start somewhere. He's not just jumping into a match with me. But he can debut next week.
0: Hey, I mean, maybe he does not watch uh, your Texas Indies. And he was too busy to watch TNA during that time. So, you know, he. I mean, there's a point to be made there.
1: Cody, you got to watch your wrestle circus tapes, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're what? Lions Pride Wrestling? Like, there's a lot of them that he could be checking out. But then, but if I
1: heard this right then, Cody's like, he's like, you can't just jump into a match with me. And then he's, well, maybe you oh, can. But I guess you can. Maybe you can. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, what are we doing here?
0: This is right, a major, up. what are we doing here tonight, I feel yes. like. Next up was a
1: Darby pre tape. He starts by saying, Kip Sabian, I don't see anything super bad about you. <laughs> Very funny. He says, and I've known some super bad people. He should have just done a promo about ranking super bad people and who's like the most super bad person he's ever known. He's uh, He's got the inner circle masks again, where he's cut off the faces from the little cardboard standees. And he says, Kip, you're nothing more than a sacrifice for the sins of the inner circle. Not really sure how that plays in. But then he has all the mass on a table and he sets the table on fire.
2: Great.
0: I'm glad love, he's.
2: I love that he just does these instead of doing ingrained pros and pros or whatever. It's like, no, I'm going to do my video. It's going <laughs> to convey my character exactly how I want it to be. And, you know, that's why he's a big star in the company.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I'm glad that Darby's keeping himself preoccupied during this time. You know, just let him just give Darby three minutes each show to like do his weird, not exactly Dogma 95 videos. I'll be fine with it.
1: Next up, Darby defeated Kip Sabian with The Last Supper, which Cody, for some reason, decided to bury the name of it immediately. Uh, early in the match, Cody compared Darby to Early Sting, which I thought was interesting. That's like never occurred to me. No,
2: never. Didn't get it at all. He's also, Darby is he's like... Obvious comp is Jeff Hardy, which yeah, Jericho and Matt well. Hardy discussed at length on Talk is Jericho. Don't don't get young Surfer Sting at all. Don't get, uh, you know, tagging with the Ultimate Warrior Sting whatsoever from Darby you know, furthest thing from my mind.
1: <laughs> Darby's also, like, already a, a better wrestler than Sting ever was in his entire career. Yeah. And Sting was, like... I mean, there's no point in spending time discussing this, but he was, like, <laughs> a hunk. You know, like... Darby's all the a women, hunk. All the, I know, but Sting I, it, was a different level a of A different hunk.
2: kind of hunk. All yeah, the women
1: wanted to be him, all the... I mean, all the women wanted to be with him, all the men wanted to be him. You know, there you that, go. That kind of baby face. Anyway... Well, talk about the match. What do you guys think about this match? It was fine.
0: It was fine. Yeah. There there was a good camera shot of his low pay that I thought was cool. There was an awkward cut to commercial, and this was really... The first hour, they were really figuring things out. They got their production kind of on track by the second hour.
1: A weird moment, I thought, on commentary with Cody trying to put over that maybe Colt has a thing for Penelope, and that's what's driving this feud with him and Kip Sabian. I mean, was he was he going into business for himself there, or do you think that's the story they're going? No,
2: around? I don't think that's the story. Um, and I I do remember Cody saying something about that, but I didn't. It didn't even read to me as him like thinking that it was like a romantic thing at all. I mean the the underlying comments that Colt said were, you know, hey Penelope should ditch this guy because he's a loser and she could be good. So you can understand how Kip would take on Bridget that, you know, one way or the others. Yeah, I don't mind if Kip says that. It's just Cody saying it. I think is kind of weird. But th- it's yeah. It's no, like, no, you're, you're turning me against Cody here after I put over his commentary. Yeah, I do. It's funny that he didn't know Darby's last supper finish. He does. This, he does this funny thing a lot of the time where he just says people are great. Like when it's you know the likelihood that he's ever seen all these people in any sort of uh, great detail is pretty low. Like you know, not that many wrestlers watch a lot of wrestling, so. It is funny that, you know, they went and scouted Darby and got him out of this Evolve deal and brought him to AEW. And it's like, oh, that's your finish. Right. Oh, and
1: he's like, you know, I've wrestled both these guys. And actually, Kip Sabian was a, was a little tougher. And I'm like, which he fixed immediately. I'm like, Cody, you got to know the stories, bud. You went to a time limit draw with Co- with Darby. So he had to have been tougher than Kip.
2: There's also, uh, he he did this thing with Chris Bay all the time where people would press him about having more, you know, black African American talent. And he'd be like, oh, I think Chris Bay is great. It's like, oh, Chris Bay's actually been under contract. Yeah. So now, now, now now when people ask him about things, he's just like, oh, you know, say some names and suggest them to me. And he just replies and he says, oh, they're great.
1: He's like one very, very
2: political answer.
1: Yeah. He's like one step away from saying, I have binders full of African American wrestlers.
2: Uh, I mean, I'm not going to come down to them that hard, but. (laughs) Yeah, you're uh it's uh it definitely is a politician's answer.
1: <laughs> then we had a hype video package for Jake Hager and then uh Jake Hager came out, Jake Hager came out and defeated Chico Adams uh via ref stoppage after the choke thing that Mike always tells me the name of.
0: It's it's a head and arm triangle. Yeah.
1: Cool. The best part of this uh Jake Hager's entrance music. The music?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, this is like how after of like when they would have these like local talent matches that went way too long and there was too much give and take, this was like 90 seconds. This was exactly what it needed to be and nothing else.
2: I don't know if this is too close to infringing on other gimmicks or whatever, but Hager's gimmick, if he's going to be choking out these people and these local talents especially, should be, he comes to the ring and says, play my music. I'm going to beat this guy before my song ends. And then he should do it. And then you get the song playing the whole time.
1: That's great. I like that. After the match, John Moxley comes out. He's apparently conquered his fear of germs for a few minutes, and uh, they face off. He, uh, now I guess, Mox, I don't know, somebody punches somebody. Bad notes written by A.B. here. Bad job out of me. But then Mox lays out Hager with the paradigm shift, but then Hager recovers like insanely quickly and turns it into an ankle lock. Mox uh, kind of reverses it, throws Hager out of the ring, but Max able to hold him off by holding up the belt and basically threatening to hit him with the belt.
0: Yeah, big platinum, as Cody like to constantly call this thing because <laughs> everything has to relate back to his childhood. Uh, <laughs> uh it's I'm not wrong about him on commentary. He relates he related every single thing back to things that he experienced as a child. Uh I think that like it makes sense in a way. Like that, that there's like when we talk about like who's in whenever they like they show like who is in charge and like kind of curb on the square or like how they present things it makes sense why mocks why hager who they made a big thing about him being an undefeated undefeated mma fighter and pretty much was just like a big heavy up until revolution is someone that like oh you just came out i did absolutely nothing you dropped me if your finishing move i'm gonna pop back up i get kicked in the head on the regular basis So I got that like it made sense to me, like under this logic. But then again, this is also a show that had a teleporting guy who says that he was embodied by a 3000 year old evil spirit. So your mileage might vary.
1: Yeah, I guess you could say like this wasn't at the end of a match, like a long match between the two of them. He just hit his fit. You know, you can logic it out. But at the time I was like, holy shit, he just jumped right back up after taking the paradigm shift afterward Tony tells us we're going to see Mox backstage and then we get what is clearly a pre-taped video that is not live backstage where Mox says you know Hager, hey I told you to check your blind spots I go where I want he tells us that he's medically cleared and he's ready for blood he Says, you walked away tonight but when this comes to a head you're not walking away you're getting carded out so unfortunately it looks like we're we're building toward a John Moxley Jake Hager match folks <laughs> but at least we're building to something I mean that's a decent like as long as it's not the double or nothing match, that's a decent like stopping point in between pay-per-views title challenge. Next up was a Brody Lee video, which I'm pretty sure was the same thing from last week. Does everybody yeah. agree with me?
0: Yeah, okay. exact same thing.
1: All right. Well, then I'm not going to recap it. Then there was another Brody Lee video. So we get back-to-back videos, and this is Brody Lee, and he's sitting at a table with the Beaver Boys. And he's in a suit, and they all have steak in front of them. They, we, we learn they are at Morton's
0: Steakhouse. Thank you, Cody, making sure we know if they were at Morton's. Cody is such a weird person. <laughs> like, like, just like he's like Nate on the
1: show. It was a, This is why Nate is so protective of Cody. There we go. Why?
0: Why is it like me? He had to explain the joke.
2: Oh, that wasn't a. That, was that a joke?
0: It was an unnecessary explanation. And it was a reference.
2: You know, he was
1: uh, furthering the yeah, reference. It was to it's not a Man. joke. I mean, the, sig- the segment is a joke.
2: Okay. Anyway.
1: Brody says, do you understand the new rules of Dark Order? I don't think you get it. We do what we want. We're the lions of AEW. We prey on the weak. What's wrong with you two? Why don't you understand? So then John Silver starts to eat his Morton's steak. And Brody stops him. He says, do I look like I'm done? and tells Reynolds uh, also not to eat until he's done. At this point, Reynolds sneezes, and Brody gets very mad at him, and and we all realize that this is uh, making fun of Vince McMahon.
2: Yeah, that, this should have been my elite pick. I think this was better than the match in retrospect. I kind of forgot it was on the show. But perfect evolution and logical, fun, uh, petty wrestling war thing to do here. You took the evil cult, gimmick in your promotion and then you made the leader of the evil Scientology cult be basically a parody of Vince McMahon uh, but and it works on multiple levels because you know you've got uh, you've got a, a guy who's being a tyrant to his underlings and is doing shitty things to them even if you don't know that the specific references are Vince McMahon then you know it still makes sense oh this guy's a real asshole he kicks him out just because he ate before him or whatever so that's fun this is this is the right side of cute I think is that a shoot sneeze? I think that was, you know, it's tough to sneeze on command, but Alex Reynolds got one off here. So I really enjoyed this. This was very funny to me.
0: Yeah, I'm totally on board for Brody Lee as L. Ron Hubbard meets Vince McMahon. Like, I think that that's actually a really kind of interesting use for someone who probably has a clear slot. And I think it was just kind of funny. I mean, next he's going to have a, something that he's going to call a steak grab that someone's going to be confused and say, you're basically just having a burrito without any rice, man. So there's a lot of content that they could kind of delve into. And I'm all awa- right. I'm all right with that.
2: Right. You can get uh do all sorts of vignettes at this. You can have Brody Lee, you know, chasing evil Uno down the hall with, uh you know, his shit pants on the end of a stick. That's a great vent story. So just you can go, you know, all day with vent stories and incorporate them into this character.
1: Just don't do the that's right. Shelton joke. Leave, leave that alone. Oh, no.
2: Yeah. Don't incorporate any of his actual toxic behaviors. Yeah.
1: I would just like to say, Nate, Mike, the general Twitterati, welcome to the right side of history. Uh, I've been saying for, I don't know, 65 episodes now that The Dark Order is good and has always been good. And I'm just glad that everyone else is on board now. So congratulations to you all.
2: I think you might have to check check the data on that. You were certainly saying The Dark Order was good when they did the big wet fart of a show closing attack angle. You were out, out ahead of it. At that time I don't remember if you said the dark order was good all the way back at you know uh uh the original double or nothing attack or Yeah et yeah, yeah. Well, like I've it...
1: always said the dark order is good since episode 1 of
2: this show Right I've yeah 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 well, yeah they even weren't on episode 1 so.
0: Yeah yeah even before they were. they were even announced as members of this roster like Got several it. months before they were announced Aaron apparently was saying this group that most people never heard of before or was only familiar about their work and other promotions was good promotions yeah, of course but uh, promotions of course that Aaron never watches so yeah of course I Aaron watch, says since they won
2: I watch C four
0: uh, you're big Smash
2: Wrestling fan big I Chikara Smash fan wrestling?
0: big like 2010 Chikara fan yeah
1: I did a podcast on our Patreon about Mike Quackenbush, who ran Shakara.
2: Anyway, good segment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, welcome, everyone. I'm glad that you're with me now. After this, we had Brody Lee defeating QT Marshall with uh, Big Fat Lariat. After the match was over, a creeper came out and left QT a mask.
0: This was fun. This was, he was, Brody was about where I expected him to be at. I'm excited for Dark Order trios matches.
1: Well, let's talk about the gear. What did y'all think about the ring gear?
0: Looked better than the one he had on last week, but still kind of shitty. I mean, I think he, you can
2: just tighten up the pants, right? That's all you need yeah. to do. tighten up. The, they don't need to be so Jingo. indies. Yeah, Chikari, Chikara indies garbage bag pants. So, so tighten it's a up little, little, bit, little more taut.
0: Yeah, it's a little busy. And at the same time, it's like when he was in Chikara, he always wore like the pretty much the same gear that he had in WWE. I know they wanted to do something different, but just have him in a tank top and pants. Maybe give him like a pair of slacks and a nice tank top.
1: No, you have to give him the, the workout sweatshirt like Vince McMahon always wore. Okay. He He can wear that with basically some fucking workout pants and a weight belt. And uh, there you go.
0: Let's go. He does.
2: uh, When, when Vince was ECW champion and had the do rag.
0: Oh yeah! After he got his <laughs> head shaved by, uh, yeah. I thought there, we were avoiding little- the toxic behavior. Nate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair enough.
1: All right, then we got a recap of Matt Hardy's debut and a little video from Matt Hardy. He said, "Due to the transgress, hmm. due to the transgressions against my allies, I am here to break and delete the inner circle." We get a little recap of Nick Jackson's injury and then a medical update courtesy of Vanguard
0: 1 version 2.0. West Coast correspondent, Vanguard that's 1.
1: That's right. Vanguard kind of swoops in. We see Nick uh, working out in his garage, looks like. Nick kind of chases him off, but there's a little, a little graphic on screen that's like checking out how recovered he is, and it lands at 61%.
2: I think maybe I just sci-fi in wrestling is better to me than fantasy in wrestling, because the Vanguard drone stuff is funny to me, but the teleportation stuff sucks ass. Maybe that's just what it boils down to.
0: No, I can see that. Yeah, like, if they just have, like, Vanguard have, like, a taser attached to the end of it, and, like, shocked Chris Jericho, that would have ruled. Like, wouldn't you have loved Vanguard to tase Chris Jericho, AB? Like, they could probably find a taser lying around to do so.
1: Uh, Even though I deal with, like, excessive use of tasers in my sure, yeah. regularity people getting tased who aren't being tased by cops is always funny
0: okay good yeah we'll, let's couch it with that but yeah, yeah. no more if it's one. a cop getting tased by a cop then it's funny yep yep i mean that's the true corollary i mean cop on cop violence is good so yeah
1: <laughs> okay next up kenny omega defeated sammy guevara to retain the triple a mega championship he defeated him with the one winged angel think we covered this pretty well
2: had a couple of really you know especially good looking high knees in this one there was one where sammy was like halfway halfway on his knees and just took a kenny omega knee to what looked like the side of the face and you know he sells it by breaking himself in half and just you know you give me that you know really a match can only be good with a crowd that's like my fundamental these shows have been pretty hard for me to watch because i ascribe to the dave Meltzer theory of watching wrestling where it's like if it works with a crowd, it's good. So how do you know a match is good or not? If you can't hear a crowd, I'm saying this with half a, you know, half ironically. Um, so very, very tough. But if you give me people just need each other in the head and, and making a big sound like I'm, I'm probably going to enjoy. it.
0: I have to say again, Cody talking about things he liked in his childhood commentary going nonstop about who the best uh, captain was in Star Trek because there was a, sl- a sign of Chris Pine. So, yeah.
2: Aaron, any Star Trek captain thoughts?
1: So my favorite star Trek captain is uh captain Picard.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the correct choice.
0: I, I did not watch star Trek as a kid, so I have no fond memories. And when I try to watch it like recently, I'm like, Oh, it's there. I, I have no thoughts. I was a star Wars kid.
2: It's really, yeah. I mean, there's no, it's not really an analog to it in today's television. Cause it was like a aspirational sci-fi show about a, you know, uh, post-economic utopia where everyone just works together for the greater good and then peace and harmony and then you know uh scouts planets and tries not to get involved with them or whatever this is all next generation of course um so yeah picard's picard's the best Cody was tweeting about the captains earlier today he also agrees that picard is the best so at least he's right on that point i'm just glad that's the name of one name yeah. some others how many well- can you name they named got, a lot on this show. He named a lot on this show.
0: Nearly all of them, except for one, I that I know of.
2: I mean, Tony. Tony had the deepest pull, probably.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you got Captain Antonil. You got.
2: Oh my God. Okay, move on. Next, yeah. Anyways, next, so the next next segment.
0: next segment was the main event segment. What uh, is
2: even that, Captain Antonio? <laughs> How does yeah. that even come to your mind as a possible avenue for a joke?
0: <laughs> Man. That's the first
2: captain you think of is.
0: Yeah, Captain oh, and Tenille. Oh my Christ. That, that explains a lot about you. I mean,
1: I don't know. I mean, Crunch, I guess. that's an. E- that would be an easy one to go to. Yeah. I'm trying to just think of other captains, and I, I'm struggling.
0: Captain Cook. Don't know what that famous means. Explorer. Hi- yeah, Famous Explorer.
2: I guess, slash colonizer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Kind of a shitty person. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, Captain Antonio, Captain Crunch are really the only, the only mm. captains I
2: recognize. Yeah, prob- probably best that we move on.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. This bit's Ryan's Scores. So, Chris Jarrow comes out, and this is... I, sh- I can't believe nobody picked this for their elite choice. He takes the camera and then films the cameraman singing Judas.
2: Very funny. Didn't like it.
0: Wow. I-, I thought him having a law of Mike was the funnier production choice of the night. Yeah,
1: so Jericho and Hardy did not have mics in their hands on this show, which was something that had kind of been in the discourse about the the WWE shows. So uh, no mics in their hands. This is where Vanguard One comes out. Jericho says he doesn't like Vanguard One. He's a piece of shit and trans uh, translates, fuck, where am I going here? And then transitions quickly to asking Vanguard to join Inner Circle but Vanguard instead. That was was very funny.
2: (laughs) Yes. See, this this all works because you can believe like Chris Jericho is in the, uh, you know, Mike Tyson zone where you can believe that he'll do just about anything, you know, uh, it's on the reality shows. He's got his own television shows. He's got his sketch comedy. He's got his conspiracy theorist boosting podcast. He's, you know, a multiple time book writer or whatever. Um, and then, but he's also like, you know, uh, uh, his character is defined by his ego. So totally makes sense that he'd be like, Oh, I'm gonna buy off this, this sentient ro- drone by offering <laughs> him to join my stable. Give and him then when a he refuses, to I'm gonna be extremely fucking pissed off. So, I, I, this all this all worked because of the Jericho character.
0: I, I think that the this is why I love it so much because like he started trying to buy off this drone before that he shit talked the drone saying like i do not agree with your political views which is a great line and things you tweet great line tries to buy him off of robot cigars and then immediately as soon as the drone just doesn't react and starts going away he starts cursing it out again tremendous part of the segment
1: this is when we we finally see matt hardy is in the third deck and then he just starts uh teleporting to different places but i mean we're, could they do this live did
2: this happen live no you can no. see the cuts when jericho would move between oh with matt uh, changed spots
0: yeah like this was something that they seems like because i think he was wearing the same jacket that he wore last week that they probably filmed last week
1: interesting that would make sense uh hardy finally gets in the ring he's just kind of doing Matt hardy shtick uh he says you knew i'd come and jericho says of course i knew we booked this last week which Probably makes it even more likely they filmed this last week.
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't, this I think this was live, but that you can imagine how that line would play with a laugh with a crowd, like oh he does the big catchphrase, everybody pops for the catchphrase, and then Jericho just subverts the whole thing. He's like, of course we we booked the segment last week. Like that is the laugh line if you have a crowd, and especially a crowd of wrestling fans who are you know going wild for the Matt Hardy stick.
1: Yeah, it would with a crowd. It would have been. It would have had a better pace to it, but, you know, they could have actually played it as a bit instead of yeah. just like <laughs> just saying those lines.
0: Yeah. The timing would have worked out. Right. Timing is yes. The word I was looking for.
1: Jericho says, uh, is built on him. You want to rely on me, not the arrogant bastards in the elite. And Hardy says, no, I owe the bucks a debt. AEW represents freedom and I must, res- I must protect it at all costs. Jericho says, Hey, I made everyone's career. That's in the inner circle. He says, I can make yours. You deserve a mulligan, as they say. And then he switches to British accent. In the world of golf. Was this a, a joke that I didn't get?
0: <laughs> it's just funny. Jericho is just being it's probably, weird. It was
2: probably, it's probably from, do you think, is that from Dumb and Dumber or something?
0: I mean, I have not that seen seems that. seems like a yet. Jericho
2: reference. Well, so that's where he got a little bit of the bubblies. He just took it directly from Dumb and Dumber, which yeah. is like. Yeah, of course. This is you know where uh, Chris Jericho, who is lauded as being the master of reinvention and being the thinking man's character and personality in pro wrestling, like oh, he just takes his material from Dumb and Dumber. That's the level of uh, high art that we're dealing with here. He's no, so good. He's so good. Oh, like I mean, yeah, I mean he's he's best in class. But yeah, you know let's let's be honest. Repeat trademark
1: infringer, Chris Jericho. They go back and forth, they go back and forth. This boils down to basically Jericho saying, hey, are you going to be in the inner circle or are you going to be in the elite? That's when they do the elite, delete, back and forth, which, okay, I appreciate that elite and delete are like established um, intellectual properties that are established brands, but it still was like kind of funny to hear it considering that we've done this, uh, this segment on the show for so long. Jericho says... (laughs) that there aren't any fans. He points out, you know, there's no fans. He banned all the fans. And Hardy says, Martin Luther King is here. He still has a
2: dream. (laughs) Too too fucking weird. Too
1: weird. (laughs) Ultimately, uh, Matt punches Chris Jericho, knocks him down. Sammy attacks, and we get Cody and Kenny out with chairs to make the save. And as they retreat, some pyro goes off to, to scare them.
0: Yeah, he did the delete. Thing. and i i appreciate that we have completely skipped over the part where matt hardy talks about this being his arcadia and all of his just weird nonsense shit that he says like that he's embodied now by a three thousand year old spirit yes i have watched the videos nate
1: all right but i could not write all that down
0: uh i mean some some of us here have to keep up the other end of the deal i was
1: i was very lost and uh and did not care as this as this carried on but i'm sure some people liked it so
0: you know oh hey i mean he sells a lot of t-shirts like there is a reason why matt hardy makes sense in this promotion it's just my big thing was like you have an established canon in this promotion by now of like okay the level of seriousness and even for some of the stuff that gets really cringe and problematic like uh like uh luchasaurus like that they do have like a level of reality and this just completely breaks through that level of reality especially with someone that they've been very careful about and very clearly controls what he's doing as Chris Jericho
2: yeah there's the caveat caveat uh this probably fucking made a lot of people go wild like your your normal wrestling fan you know probably loves this like that, that that sounds more uh, condescending than I intended to. But, you know, I buried I buried uh, a lot of the fans to be like, oh, I think it's fucking hilarious that Chris Jericho calls people a stupid idiot. Like, I just think that's the height of comedy. And those same people, I'm sure, go wild for Matt Hardy. Like, this is a fan base, broadly speaking, not the AEW fan base specifically, but the wrestling fans, wrestling fan fan base who for whom. You know they're still shouting out Chris Jericho catchphrases from 1998 at indie shows and being like, "Oh, this is so funny." So, you know, stuff does not get old to wrestling fans. Really, they're, he can drive this into the ground. It's still going to be over for you know a, a while to come.
1: Well, I think that's absolutely true, and the, the business reasons for doing this are obvious. And so, this can only be criticized from like a a subjective standpoint of you know, just like what you like and, and don't like, but from a business standpoint. Now, if they don't sell a bunch of t-shirts and if the ratings don't go up and the gates don't go up, then having this on the show is fucking insane. But it's certainly time to, to see how it goes. Now, right. we've seen that every time they've done one of these, Nightmare Family, Dark Order, now this, Tony Khan has quickly tired of the criticism and changed it. So, I don't know. Does so this-, this is
0: different, though, with it Matt is. Hardy.
1: It is. Yeah. Is he going to let Matt Hardy keep doing this when he's shown in the past he doesn't really like this stuff on his show?
0: And, and at the same time, like, they, like, made a deal about how much the, like, Matt Hardy AEW t-shirt has already sold. Like, like they have, like, they, like, made, like, reference, like, on social media. So, like, one aspect of it, it does work. And then also I remember during, like, the original Matt Hardy, uh, Broken Matt thing that, like, it popped one rating for TNA, which... TNA at that time. still so, like it did a good rating for TNA and then did absolutely nothing. I remember Joe Lanzo would go on and on about it. Funny enough, my first piece of anything for VOW was me going insane about how bad the production was over the final leash and things and how intentional camp is not funny. So you do have to kind of like find like, are they going to pull back? Is Tony Kong going to say, okay, you do great merch and stuff like this, but we can't have this in our main event segment every week. We got to pull this back. Or are they, it's a situation where Matt Hardy does seem to have like this amount of creative control that he's going to do his dipshit stuff and you can't say no because he's able to continue with it.
2: I do. So you're right that they've, you know, generally, uh, reined things in and pulled them, you know, and and gotten them in course corrected when you have a a weird angle or story whatever going on, but you don't pre-tape magical teleportation by accident, like, Tony Khan could not have been out there, you know, having them tape magical teleportation and going, Hmm, I wonder if this is going to be the right tone for my wrestling show. Like, there there's only one tone that magical teleportation strikes, and it's the tone we got on this. So, you know, it, it's hard to believe that he's gonna see this and see how it plays out and goes, Well, I couldn't have seen that coming. Like it it was very apparent what this was gonna be from the jump.
1: That's definitely true, but it's there's you know, we saw this in WCW where at times when there was like a check on the guys who were at the top of WCW, it could be funneled in a good way. And then when like Kevin Nash is booking whatever the fuck he wants, it's like, it gets really bad really quick. So there's a way to have Matt Hardy, who by the way, has never been a talent on the level of Kevin Nash, but there's a way to funnel Matt Hardy in a way that works even in a promotion that doesn't want to be like what TNA did or what even what WWE did with, with Matt Hardy. But will that we saw Tony Khan not be able to tell JR to stop doing certain things. Does he have the intrinsic authority to rein in Matt Hardy?
2: I don't know. I mean, yes, he does. He does have the intrinsic authority because he runs the show. But does yeah. is he going to exercise the that, authority?
1: That's my thing. And that's like this. This issue with Tony Khan being a super wrestling fan and then running this company is he lets JR do whatever JR wants to do when he clearly has expressed in the past that some of the things that JR does he doesn't like. So he won't rein that in. Will he rein in this kind of thing or? we also can't discount the possibility that he just fucking loves Matt Hardy and he enjoys
2: right. this. Yeah, we can't, we can't really know.
0: So I, I mean, it's one of those things with like Tony Khan that we know, like there are certain things that he likes that did not necessarily make sense and has allowed certain wrestlers that he likes to, to appear that don't necessarily make sense in this company. So it's going to be a very interesting next while when I mean, Matt lives in North Carolina. That's a, six to seven hour drive to Jacksonville. So he is someone that as long as like, they don't completely say like, unless you have like national guard out, like you have to stay at home. In theory, he can make every single show. So it'll be interesting to see like, if he's able to kind of play it, see how this is going to play out because it does seem like given the circumstances, we will be seeing a lot of Matt Hardy, but like, how do they adjust?
1: Uh, Shug D also said that after his match, Tony Khan, like spent time with him to tell him what he thought about it. And that just cracks me up. The idea of Tony Khan, like telling wrestlers what he thought about their match. (laughs) I don't
2: know.
0: I
1: make Tony's a poster. It makes sense. (laughs) Just a funny idea. It's like if this guy didn't run a, run a wrestling company, who would give a single fuck what he thought about their wrestling match? Very funny. Okay. A few more things to talk about, but quickly want to remind you to check out patreoncom slash everything elite. We got three tiers, $3, 5 dollars $8, Uh, make sure that you subscribe to it. Here's what we did this past week. We had The Pod Beyond with Ogan. We're doing a little series where we look at old War Games matches. On this episode, we did Wrestle War 1991. And then his pick was TNA Lethal Lockdown from 2010. So uh, that was a lot of fun. That's Mike and me. And then we bring on a guest uh, whenever we do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we now are going to rate and rank every single war game style match until the end of time or until this match happens and just see where they are. I mean, talked a lot about Jeff Jarrett and how crazy TNA was. It was a good time. And then how, how good it is. Like how good uh, Brian Pillman was at, like whipping ass. Like it was a fun show. So check it out.
1: Nate, you really, you gotta listen to Oakgan You gotta go back and watch some of these old war games matches because you will realize, I think as all of us have that war games is actually good.
2: Uh, Um, you know, I would love to, but I do have a pretty strict policy on, on old wrestling.
1: Well, I'm just going to tell you that Owen and I agreed that the war game stipulation cannot fail. It can only Mm -hmm. be failed.
2: Okay.
0: And I'm learning about a kind of wrestling that I never watched before. And it's been fun. And our guests put us through terrible wrestling matches at times (laughs) of people failing the war games.
1: We got some other cool guests lined up. And yeah, at this point, we're just kind of planning to review them all. Every War Games match that's ever happened. So that'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. We had Light, of course, the uh, Dynamite preview show. We do that every Wednesday. This coming week, we will have an episode of The Errands. Aaron Talb and I are going to record this weekend, and we'll have that ready for you all. I feel confident that we'll largely be talking about the uh, national political landscape in the, in the wake of... Uh, Joe Biden's apparent win of the Democratic nomination. And then the three of us have talked about doing a review of Stardom's Cinderella tournament. So I expect we'll do that sometime this weekend and get that up next week, too.
0: Yeah, I still haven't watched a single thing of it. So I'm keeping myself. I I, I know. Dude, I had Dragon Gate stuff this week. Like, I've been busy, man. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I called it the show of the year. I mean, I think... The Dragon Gate Empty Arena show was that great. So I'm glad that you watch and you think it is the show of the year. So I'm, I'm proud of you for like <laughs> reaching outside of your wrestling norms and trying something new. I mean, it was a tremendous product on YouTube for free.
1: That's right. So you can get all that at patreon.com slash everything elite for, we can get all of it for uh, the low, low price of $5. Uh, but there's also plenty of stuff on the $3 tier as well. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Remember, you get charged the day you sign up and then the first of the next month. So at this point, you might as well wait until April 1 and sign up. We're going to have plenty of good stuff at the start of April. This is usually where we preview Dark, but I don't know any matches that are happening on Dark. Now that there's no fans, we kind of can't get spoilers on that. And this is also where we usually preview quickly the, the next episode of Dynamite. But all we know, as far as I know right now, is that Lance Arger is going to be debuting. We really don't even know where it's going to happen. Presumably, it's just going to be at
0: Daly's Place. Yeah. I I saw something that Duval County, Duval, might be uh, doing a shelter-in-place thing, but that was supposed to start yesterday, and they still ran. So who knows? There are rumors about how much stuff they've actually taped. So we might be seeing stuff. Who knows?
1: And frankly, there's just not any other news around, (laughs) around AEW right now. It's a weird time. So I don't really have anything else uh, to uh, make Nate lose his mind over uh, after I give a wacky opinion. Nate is uh,
2: making a pensive face. Oh, I had this idea. Oh, what, was the, what did you make me lose my mind about?
1: I don't know. I was just, you know, generally. Um, Patreon. We're getting close, closer to uh, a, a milestone of 100 patrons. I have an idea. We should... It, when we get to a hundred, we should do the. Um, I don't know what the official hashtag is, but we should do the uh, singing Judas challenge. What is this?
0: I saw. The, you I, sing Judas. Yeah, uh, that—that's the whole
1: idea. You sing Judas.
0: That's some real incentive to sign up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my other idea was we all put on pleather tank tops, so you all can choose, I guess.
0: Uh, tank tops. <laughs>
1: yeah, baby. Let, Judas.
0: Let's get... <laughs> Judas, easy. Oh,
2: okay. i mean i'm already singing judas a couple times a day so
1: this is easy for nate nate has the voice of an angel so he, he'll he have fun
0: i I just, can tell. <laughs> I just i just want to get one of jimmy havoc's tank tops or the, the style of tank top i don't want his own tank top i was gonna say i was, I gonna say, I was getting like a
2: worn, worn <laughs> no ring no, no. Tank top. no
0: no no i no i don't even have ring worn masks and i collect wrestling masks so yeah that's a bridge too far
1: I, when I was in Japan, I really thought hard about. They had the Yoshirai mask from right. lost the title to Watnabe. and
0: but they wanted like a thousand bucks probably.
2: Yeah,
1: it was like it was more than that. It was like three thousand dollars maybe. I, can, I can't
0: imagine that, dude. Much. That's that's mm-hmm. insane. Like the prices that I've seen for like authentic Dragon Kid masks are like about a thousand, and like Bushi like constantly sells his masks, and they're like. 600 to $700 so like that's
1: pretty sure it was in the uh in the thousands
0: I mean I expect it to be about a thousand but I don't expect it to be 3,000 I mean I don't think no, you can I get mean, like I an, mean, there's no way no I, I don't, All right,
2: just you motherfuckers wait
0: I don't even yeah. think you can get like a Liger mask I've even heard for going for 3,000 that's just I'm, fucking I'm
2: booting Animal Crossing while you're doing this
0: Uh how are you liking Animal Crossing right now Nate
1: can somebody tell me what Animal Crossing is
0: it's a very pleasant game where you try to overthrow a capitalist raccoon.
2: It's what not true. Is... You just live on an island, and he gives you interest-free loans.
0: Okay, but he's a landlord, though.
2: He's not a landlord. It's a mortgage.
0: Can somebody okay, just tank. tell me how you play this game? You you, you get into you the Switch. You go on your
2: island, and you catch some bugs, and you dig up fossils. No, 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 and no, no, go no. fishing. Is it only available on Switch? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. There's a not very good version for the phone called New Leaf. Not New Leaf. What was the one that was the phone?
2: Uh, Pocket Camp.
0: Pocket Camp, yeah. Yeah, I
2: don't, I don't fuck with that.
0: Yeah. I did feel yeah, like a, if week. There, if
2: there's a weird. If there's a weird game with uh, undeniable charm, but fundamentally shallow and often repetitive gameplay, then you can pretty much bank that it's only on Nintendo.
0: And it's just like a very somehow like, Someone's going to put out a theory about Nintendo planning on releasing this game during this time period, and it's going to get wild because it's a perfect kind of like repetitive game where you I just kind of do the don't same agree
2: thing. because m- many of the
0: most of the games got features
2: back. and unlocks are time locked, so you mm-hmm. can only accomplish so much in a given day.
0: Yeah, like so that's it's actually
2: f- not super right. I, I I like that typically, but it's not a, an ideal system for you know playing eight hours a day because we're all uh, on lockdown.
0: Yeah, no, like, that's the thing about it, A.B., is that it represents, like, the ask you are in the Northern Hemisphere or Southern Hemisphere, because it it has, like, actual seasons in it, and it's played, like, in real time versus other games of the genre, like Harvest Moon or Rune Factory, that are, that there is, like, a clock for each day that's usually, like, 15 minutes. Like, this is actually, like, you can only do about, like, an hour's worth of things. You, like, log on in the morning, you play, you get your, your insects and your fish that are only available then, and you come back at night. And you have to do it before the uh, the uh, the smaller raccoon shop. The, what is it called? The Nook Hut? Right.
2: The Nook Cranny, yeah.
0: The yeah, Nook's Cranny. You have to do something because it closes at least for me in two hours. So it's fun. Have you been able to find the mask now? Is it $3,000 like you've claimed?
1: Oh, can't find uh, any. Well, I can find some of her masks, but they're not... Uh, one was a signed one that was going for $1,400, yeah, but not, that, a, uh, yeah, not so. a ring-worn... You know, this was, that was her last... Well, I guess she had one more cork one match, but that was her last, like, title defense, blah, blah,
0: blah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've never heard... Even, like, in Lucha Libre, maybe unless you buy someone's a mask. I've never heard of something going past, like, 1700 So, that would have been wild. Anyways.
1: Well, you're really you're really underestimating uh, the joshi perverts of the world is all oh yes no. that's true
2: but that, the, you know the face is also not like an erogenous zone okay speak know? for
1: yourself first of all
2: <laughs> i just you know I don't think you know when I imagine a joshi pervert I imagine them sniffing the the gear and I don't know that that's as effective with a mask they did have
1: they did have shanna's ring worn gear uh, the uh, the orange um, What is it? Dragon Ball? Fuck, I don't know.
2: Yeah, sure. She had Dragon Ball gear. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's that gear. They had that at at Toaddukan.
2: Toaddukan.
0: Yeah, they've got. There's there's that, and and then the uh, was it Depo Mart? The other place that usually has. That's usually where people sell their gear at. Like Ultimo sells all this stuff at the other store. That it's wild. Like the people who that that were going to pay like six hundred bucks for Leo Onizaki's mask. Like that was the one that was like okay. Good for you i i i know how this goes so she's not seeing the 600 dollars. but hey you know that's something
2: this, this fucking duck just R. shamed R. me because i wear the same shirt all the time you're a fucking duck you always wear the same <laughs> shirt
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i i'm mad right now i've not been able to find like a good baseball cap or glasses so i do not post photos of me i think and- uh
2: i think baseball cap you can do custom designs for us so, you so can go get the nook own. one well, I you do. can just do whatever design you know you put in the little design editor there.
0: Right, that's fair. Riveting Nadia. All right, you can follow us on Twitter at everything
1: AEW, I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Um, subscribe, rate, and review all that good stuff. I guess go out and if you have money, uh, we'll sign up for our Patreon first of all. But uh, go out and find. Mike was talking about a a, a fund for. Uh, service industry workers in, in his town. I think that's definitely a good place to go. There's uh, one in Lexington that is providing meals to to children who you know aren't being fed at school because school is closed. You I see a lot of them that are providing meals to elderly folks. Unfortunately, we live in a country that doesn't have a functioning state. So anything you can do to help people out in in, in this time, if you have the ability, uh, I would highly recommend it. I know Mike and I were talking earlier about uh, donating our our Patreon uh, proceeds from this month to uh, some sort of charity that we're going to, we're going to figure that out in the, in the interim.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's still with a lot of people at at home. It is scary now, but it is up to us to uh, unite and do things because we can't rely on the failed state there. I'm certain that most areas have places where they are desperately need funds either for service workers who have don't, have a sustainable form of unemployment or for, as AB said, a really important thing. Like one of the big things in my areas is is the fact that with a lot of parents now still have work because my, we haven't shut down in South Carolina, but these, but the schools have been shut down and look like they're going to be shut down for the rest of the year. And kids rely on school lunches and schools breakfasts and the same for elderly, like with meals on wheels and things like that. So everyone wash your hands and help out.
2: That was great because you uh, really made me seem like the asshole there who was not consulted on the donating Patreon. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Earnings.
1: No, it just came up in a, in a separate conversation, Nate. You're, yeah. of course, uh, welcome. Nate is probably the most giving of, of the three of us, if I had to get That's
2: that's definitely
1: true. See, I put you over at the end. I would also say this is maybe not quite as important, but there are a lot of artists who who rely on performing live who cannot perform live right now and are struggling. So if you see like the live streams and stuff, I would highly encourage people to to watch, but then to uh, pitch in. Uh, I know a friend of the show, Wiccaface Springs Eternal, is doing a live acoustic set on Friday night, I think at 7.30. So yeah. check that out.
0: Also, he's released some new merch, and I just picked up my first Wicca Springs.
1: Spring, yes. Spring I, Spring. I, I grabbed a T-shirt to to try to support. I grabbed uh, Spanish Love Songs. If you're into them, they just put out some new merch, and they had their whole can- their whole tour canceled. So Anything. Basically, it's just like if you can find people who uh, could use a pick me up, then it's a good time if you have the ability to, uh, to pick them up. That's it. That's everything Elite for this week for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.